0: this is a podcast by Wellhaus church where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon what's going on so we're going to be talking about acts two today so let's take a closer look
1: let's do it before we actually look at acts two though We have to kind of bring this whole—we have to tie the pretty ribbon on this whole series because when we started it, you know, I kept saying, and we talked about it a lot on pints and Perspectives as well, but, like, a lot of times part of the confusion around this conversation with women is because we don't understand theologically the implications of the claim that women complement men. Right. So if you say, hey— Women are equal in formation, but not in function. There's a disconnect there. Right. Right. And it comes with massive implications that we don't think about. And the reason that I bring that up is because Acts 2 is the famous experience at Pentecost. And so it's
0: the basis for our values, too.
1: Uh, well, after that, yeah, yeah, yeah after yeah. that. Um, but if you remember, especially on Pints of Perspectives, we talked a lot about Genesis one and Genesis two, um, kind of fueling the fire in mm-hmm. the conversations. Well, there's something unique about Genesis two and that that's where God actually breathes life into Adam. And that's a, the act of God breathing life is a show of a partial dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Every person that is breathing, if God truly is the author of life, then every person who is breathing has a partial dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And as we go through our lives, we experience... Additional dispensations of grace in the Holy Spirit. When Peter does Pentecost, so that's when the final dispensation of the Spirit comes out upon all believers. The fullness of the Spirit is indwelled in the believers. That's when they begin to speak in tongues and each of their own language, but they're all hearing each other and communicating and all this stuff. And that's Peter's whole deal about you know everybody around is like they're drunk. And Peter's like, no, it's only 9 o'clock. Like we're not drunk. What Peter does in that moment is really important, though, mm-hmm. because what we don't talk about enough is Peter doesn't come up with that sermon. He ad libs a little bit, he adds and exposits and things, but that sermon is rooted somewhere. So in Acts 2, the text says this, and it begins in verse 14. And that's when he's addressing them. It's like, it's only nine in the morning. Like, we're not drunk. Verse 16. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And he quotes the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Prophecy is one of the most, um, maybe prominent, like the most Christian thing or the most spiritual thing that someone could do as a leader. So to say that someone will prophesy is to say that they will be at the epitome of spiritual leadership. Yeah. Interestingly though, Look at, read this entire thing. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. There's an obliteration of all hierarchy here. Mm no man and woman structure, and no slave nor free structure. It's only those, the dichotomy is now those who are children of God and those who are not children of God. Mm -hmm. And everyone's a child of God. It's just a question of, are they embracing? Are they living in the status of being adopted into the family? Yeah. Interestingly, the prophet Joel never actually gives a sin that Israel is guilty of. We don't know when it's written. Most people believe that it's somewhere around Ezra Nehemiah. The other thing that's really unique about Joel is that he seems to have access to like a ton of biblical literature. He's constantly quoting and alluding to other prophets and things. So my I believe that Joel no like there are enough people rebuking Israel for their sins and so Joel doesn't feel the need. Yeah. And so this part of Joel comes at like towards the end of his book. And it's it's God's response to the repentance of Joel and the people of Israel. Mm. God declares that there's coming a day in the fullness of the spirit because of your repentance, because you've turned away and you are returning to me, here's my promise to you. This is what I'm going to do. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Today is the day. Yeah. That what Joel prophesied is happening among you before your eyes right now and will persist in perpetuity forever. That this is the day of the Lord. And this is why we still celebrate Pentecost every year. Right. The fullness of the dispensation of the Spirit yields a power and men and women like no other.
0: Mm.
1: When we say that men and women are equal in formation and not in function, we are denying the power of the Spirit and the prophecy of Joel. Mm. When we say that women can't prophesy, When we say women can't lead, when we say women can't be speakers of men, we are rejecting a declaration of God that God himself said that in the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy (sighs) that this will happen because, as in the Genesis 1 narrative, I made them equal. Sin separated them. Remember in Genesis 3, right? They they turn on each other. Sin has separated them. And so in response, God says, no, I'm going to fix this. And so I'm going to return with the fullness of the dispensation of the Spirit upon all of my children, upon all flesh, so that I've reunited them, that they do the same thing, that they Mm. both, shall prophesy. They both shall be leaders that my spirit shall be at work in men and women in miraculous ways. Yeah. This is what I mean when I say we don't think through the theological implications of what we say. Because the narrative as a whole if 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 I could sum up the biblical narrative in one way in like the most concise synthesized kind of narrative I could create. I would say that God so loved the world and humanity that he made a place where he could dwell with us in perfect, in perfect unity. We let sin come into it and screwed it up. Mm-hmm. And God has spent the rest of the story trying to repair it. Yeah. Joel and Acts 2, right after the cross, are a sign of the culmination of that retribution, of that repair, because he's bringing things back into perfect harmony, getting rid of the hierarchy, getting rid of the bounds that separate us by saying, once again, just as I gave you every part of myself on Jesus and the cross as he took on all your sin. Here we are 40 days after that. And I'm going to give you, not only have I taken all of your sin, I'm going to give you the fullest impartation of the spirit in order to right the wrongs that you've done. Yeah. To say that women are less than or can't do something is to deny declarations of God and the work of God through his spirit in people.
0: Yeah, and so something that I I just thought about and I think is funny is that Paul and Peter disagreed about a few things. (laughs) Um, Yes, they did (laughs) on multiple occasions. Yeah, they disagreed on quite a bit and were flustered with each other quite a bit as well. Yes, they were. But this is one issue that they actually agreed on. Um, they did. Because, I mean, clearly Peter here is quoting Joel, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for Paul, it wasn't a question of whether or not they could it's just whether they should put their head covered or uncovered, right? Correct. Um, and so it's so funny that even in the early church, in the very early beginning stages nobody like fought over this. It was just the thing that happened, right? We in modern times, uh, impacted by sin and by, you know, inequities and things like that. We have created this kind of nonsense rule. Mm, Yeah. Um, that further separates and divides us as humans yeah um, as we tend to do with
1: everything <laughs> well and and here's the thing that's so unique to me is that when I look at it, when I look at all of it, everything about the narrative for humans and the way God's revealing himself to us and the things he's asking of us, Christianity and our hope is a rejection of power.
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: it is. To say that women can't do something is to fully embrace a life of power Mm -hmm. because you now have power and authority over someone.
0: Yeah, what, what was that that Jesus said? The first will be last and the last will be first?
1: Yes. Every bit of this feels like someone trying to hold on to power.
0: Yeah, exactly what it is.
1: And for me, I genuinely believe that power is anti-gospel.
0: In a way, yeah, I think so.
1: Now... We can't fully remove power from the equation because God is the supreme being of creation. Right. And so he will always be the most powerful.
0: Sure. But even God himself in the form of Jesus. Yeah. So rele- that, relinquished power. Well, right? not really yeah, relinquished. Well, no, no. But like, so,
1: well, Philippians two would probably use the idea of relinquish. Yeah. Right. Um. That would probably be the best metaphor um, for the summary of that text. But even in the way, like Jesus still came in power. He did. But power looked radically different than we ever thought.
0: Yeah, he came in power and left in power, right? Yeah, Um,
1: but it wasn't in a power of violence or oppression.
0: He used the power that he had for which, justice and which, love
1: and restoration. what is that power? It's a power of healing. Yeah. No one is healed by a man telling a woman, hey, you, you can't do this. Oh. God's not pleased with you if you do this. To do, and this is what strikes me as so crazy is like to deny a woman that right, yeah, is to deny explicitly a declaration of God, yeah. The text literally says, God declares that. I mm. will pour out my spirit yep. upon all flesh and your sons and daughters, yep. your the generations coming after you hearers will prophesy.
0: Yeah. And not only are you, you know, denying a declaration of God, you're also stifling the power of the spirit and spiritual Which, gifts.
1: What is that in Thessalonians um About stifling the spirit.
0: Mm, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I'm trying to look it up right now. I can't
0: remember the exact wording, but yeah. uh,
1: I'm going to have to Google it, but there. like, here, let me Google it. You talk. The Holy Spirit is. And that's the crazy thing is like. We don't do enough with the spirit the spirit especially in our historically baptist traditions i i affectionately say and i do say it as a joke but like i'm definitely teetering on the line like comics do but like the holy trinity in baptist life is god the father god the son and god the holy bible yep like the holy spirit's largely forgotten yep um in function um um here it is. Do not stifle the spirit, I think is the verbiage.
0: First uh, Thessalonians 5. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Um, so do what not verse quench is the spirit. Uh, verse 19 through 22. Do not quench yeah, but the you
1: really you really have to back up you to do. verse sixteen rejoice always, pray, pray without, without ceasing. ceasing. give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. do not quench the spirit
0: and when you couple that with you know the uh first corinthians uh fourteen mm-hmm. right um, by quote quenching the spirit, you know, you're you're pushing away spiritual gifts for yourself or others, right? Mm -hmm. Um and by telling women that they can't prophesy, you are quenching the spirit within them. Right. And that is think about that for a minute.
1: And but you know, and it's easy to say we shouldn't quench the spirit But, like, why is that so important to not quench the Spirit? Because it's
0: God's revelation in in you.
1: Well, what I was actually trying to get at is that when you quench the Spirit, you're quenching, and quench is a very powerful word. You're genuinely sucking the life out of something. Mm. When you quench the Spirit... You are quenching. You are sucking the life out of the work of God. God has called sons and daughters to ministry, to vocations, to positions that are for his good work. Mm. For anyone to tell anyone that they can't do something based upon gender. Mm is to reject and stifle the work of God in and through the earth. Not to mention it is the least like a pocket of heaven. Mm -hmm. If we believe that the spirit in us makes us little pockets of heaven as we go about living our life and doing the things that God has asked us to do, creating recreating heaven on earth as God recreates and renews in us and we then renew as conduits of his creation and being. We are stifling all of that through this explicit rejection of women because we're not embracing our fullness as a pocket of heaven, because we're still holding on to power. Mm. Power is the stifler here. Mm. If we would humble ourselves, what is, what does Micah six, eight say? Mm. Oh, like I like love Love mercy mercy. act justly and walk humbly. Yeah. Yeah. If we would relinquish our need for power, yeah, the spirit of God, the work of God, could flow through us, and our pockets of heaven would become bubbles of heaven that we invite people into.
0: Yeah, you know Micah six eight um, is probably for me the thing that I try to remember the most mm. in life mm. because. As well as like Matthew twenty two, yep. right? But um, those kind of go hand in hand for me, yep. right? Like they're they're alongside each other. But um, Micah six eight just reminds me that just because I am a white straight male um, who is a Christian who comes from an upper middle class family that. In society, I hold the most power, Mm. which means I have the most power to give.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And just like Jesus did, Mm -hmm. he had the most power to give Mm. and relinquish. So do I. And so do you. And so do a lot of our listeners.
1: Yeah. I think that's so true and so to to tie the to to tie the bow on this series, ladies, I don't want to be a place that stifles you and the work of God in you. I want to be a place that empowers you mm. I want to be a place that empowers the work of God in you that that wellhouse is a place where you have the freedom to release um the spirit in its fullness that if I genuinely believe that the spirit is at work in us so that we can be a conduit to others, I want that present for all of our ladies at Waha's Church. I want that present for every Christian lady. I want it for men too, but men have it. I don't, I don't need to advocate for that for men. And this is why I say all the time that I believe that my goal I believe that my charge is to create a place of equity mm. for women because even in the narrative, right, it's so shocking to me that Joel includes slaves. Yeah. The two major or two of the three major hierarchies in the ancient world are obliterated in this moment. Mm. And the only reason I think nationality is not brought up here in Joel's narrative is because there were already other nations and people of other nations being grafted in to the people of Israel. Yeah. Every idea of power or structure is gone and given over to a place of equality because the work of the Spirit in every person is in every person and the charge to every person as a christian is the same to be in pursuit of divine likeness so that others may see the divine through your likeness